0: This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friends.
1: Chris Martin, the annoying Chris Martin. He's been married to Gwyneth Paltrow and Coldplay. So, big, big show coming up. Seven o'clock hour, you get Curtis Slewa, Lara Trump, and Gordon Chang. Eight o'clock hour, Joseph Takapina and Judge Jeanine Pirro. Nine o'clock hour, Alan Dershowitz and Miranda Devine. Big, big show. So, I, uh, I'm going to be out next week for three days. I'm going to see my daughter Ava in college, who I love and miss. And I put together a list. I hope John Katsimatidis is listening. I know he does every day, him and the lovely Margo. hope John and Chad are listening right now, because I put together a list of five people who uh, I want to fill in. And I think that being I'm the host of the number one show in the city, that I should have a say in who's sitting in this chair when I'm not here. And I always say I don't care, because you can bring in Howard Stern and Sean Hannity. It doesn't matter to me. They're not better. But I do care in one respect, and that is we've done very well on this show recently because of the tone of the show and how the show comes off. So the list of five people, and I don't care if you use one of them, two of them, three of them, all five, that I think should host this show when I'm out the next, uh, next week for three days starts with John Katz and Matidis, who always does a great job when I'm out. And by the way, has worked with me when Bernie got West's Soul was out. We start with John. The other four are Laura Curran. I like her. She is a Democrat, but she's down the middle. She's sensible. So um, she's on the list. Dominic Carter, he's also sane, sensible, easy. He's on the list. Curtis Slewa, he's a psycho. He's out of his mind. But, but, he knows how to do mornings. Uh, Not as good as me. That's why I'm here. He's not. But he knows how to do mornings. And the last guy on the list is the guy who's going to join me right now who gets monster ratings on his overnight show and is also a very talented but sensible broadcaster and entertaining, mind you. And that's my friend Frank Morano. So, Frank, you're on the list of five. Wow.
0: I know. It's a big deal. What they do is not up to me, but you're on the list. How about that? I'm honored to be on that list with such a, such an impressive group. Uh, in all seriousness, thank you. Th- top of the morning to you.
1: Top of the morning to you. We've got to start with uh, the Donald Trump story. And I'm going to ask everybody to be honest today. Like, we know Curtis at 7.05 has been a never-Trumper from day one. From day right. one. We know that Larry Trump coming up on 725 loves her right, father she's always. Oh, well. Trump, <laughs> right. Sure. Uh, where have you been with Donald Trump up to this point and where are you this morning?
0: Well, uh, politically, I was, uh, enthusiastically in favor of him in 2016, uh, donated money to his campaign. He was the first Republican presidential candidate I ever voted for. 2020, I was also pretty enthusiastic about it, somewhat less so than 2016. Uh, in part, it was, it was a lot of it just kind of an anti-Biden vote. He is not my first choice, uh, for president in 2024, but, uh, if he was running against Biden again, I, and it was a one-on-one matchup, I would vote for Trump again. Uh, with with a great deal of enthusiasm. So, uh, obviously, you got all these great lawyers that you're going to be talking to, uh, Judge Pirro and Alan Dershowitz, and uh, I'm sure you've got uh, a bunch of other great folks. Tacopina, obviously. And so uh, they could speak more to the legal aspect of things. uh, But just off the, uh, you know, based on what we know, and it's tough for anybody to know because the indictment is still under seal, I think there's a major statute of limitations problem. I heard that clip you played from uh, Mayor Giuliani. I think he's absolutely right. Also, even the New York Times described this case that Bragg is attempting to bring as a very novel legal theory, which has never been tried. Now, every lawyer listening, a prosecutor, defense, even even civil, they'll tell you that if you're a prosecutor and you're bringing a case that has never been tried ever and it's never resulted in a conviction – That is not exactly a great place to start. Even the closest thing that we've seen to this, and that was a slightly stronger case, was the John Edwards campaign finance uh, violation case, and that didn't end in a conviction. So... I think there's actually a chance, uh, depending on what the nature of the charges are, that a judge may end up throwing this case out before it even gets to uh, to trial. Well, that's but- the
1: first thing, and uh, Greg Jarrett made this point last night on Hannity. He's exactly right. That's the first thing that Joe Tacopina, I'm not even sure Tacopina is the criminal attorney in this case. He's, he's doing another mm-hmm. case I'm aware of, but no matter who it is, that's the first thing the attorney should do this morning is move for dismissal based upon what you just said now the problem is we're in new york and uh, in new york it's a very blue city very blue state the people the jury they're going to hate trump the judge he or she will likely hate trump so there's a chance they won't dismiss it because of personal bias but that is the first thing that the trump attorney should do yes
0: yeah, well, we'll see where it goes, right? I mean, you saw with the Court of Appeals, and this is when the conservatives had a majority on the Court of Appeals before Janet DeFior retired. They had no problem striking down all sorts of ultra-left-wing stuff, even though all seven members of the Court of Appeals were appointed by uh, by Democrats. So if it makes it all the way up to the Court of Appeals, I could see, uh, the, the if there is a conviction, it being thrown out. But we'll see. We're a long ways from there. But politically... I think um, this really does help Trump in the short term, certainly with respect to getting the nomination, but it may even help him to some extent in the general election because it does a few things. One, he's been able, I'm sure you've been bombarded as I have, he's been able to use this to raise a ton of money since this has happened. So he's going to use this to raise money uh, that he can then use on running for president. And by the also, way,
1: just to emphasize your point, he had been lagging in that, Ron DeSantis, right killing trump in donor money and right after the indictment into late last night trump received
0: a ton of cash ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition in the u.s more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime And he's gotten something that's even more valuable for money, especially if you're Donald Trump, which is this gives him a ton of free media attention. You remember back in 2016, they estimated that if Trump would have had to pay for the media attention that he got, both positive and negative, it would have amounted to something along the lines of $500 billion. That's why even (laughs) though in the primaries and in the general he was dramatically outspent by his opponents, he didn't need as much money because he's got this media attention, even though a lot of it is negative it doesn't matter because it keeps all of his other potential primary opponents from getting on TV and bolstering their name recognition. No one's on TV today talking about Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Mike Pompeo, uh, or any of the other prospective Republican presidential candidates, except as it relates to Trump. And that's the other reason I think this is potentially good for him politically, because it's forcing all of his other potential adversaries to speak out on his behalf. You heard that with Pence yesterday, who, who's been pretty critical of Trump until now. You heard that from Nikki Haley yesterday. You even heard that from uh, Ron DeSantis. So, and uh, look, and that clip, clip that you played from Jason Whitlock was very telling. I think you're going to see some people kind of right-leaning independents or maybe sometimes Trumpers say, look, this is just not right. I didn't want to vote for this guy, but this is kind of driving me into a protest vote type of direction. So I think it's definitely a positive for him in the primary, and it may even be uh, for the general as well.
1: Frank Murano just tremendous job on the overnights here getting 11s, number one uh, in this city And you can hear it right there the last five minutes with that great analysis. Let's move from Trump to uh, another uh, politician under fire all the time, and that's Mm. Governor Cuomo. He was on the station this week. He had an opportunity to come on with me. I've not really made this public. I, I did intimate and, uh, well, maybe more than intimated, that he had a chance to come on with me and he chickened out. That's the bottom line. But he did go on with John. I thought John did a great job asking all the yes. right questions. He asked the right questions. He got no answers. I mean, Cuomo lied his way through 60 minutes on, uh, on a couple of nights ago. But but he was on and had the opportunity to speak. The question is, does Cuomo continue to try to do radio or or is he looking to make a comeback in the political world?
0: Well, I think the answer is yes to both. I think he's going to try and do as much radio as he can in the short term, but I think he definitely won't. I guarantee you every minute of his, every day of his life, he's thinking about how he can make a political comeback. Now, what people have been talking about is a run against Gillibrand next year, and I think Gillibrand is weak. I think she's vulnerable in a primary. I do, though, think that because of Cuomo's scandals, he loses to Gillibrand if it's a one-on-one race. I think the opportunity for Cuomo if he does go that route, is if there's a three-way race. There's been a lot of speculation that AOC may run against Gillibrand. If she's able to secure the hard left, Gillibrand is able to uh, maintain her base, which seems mostly organized labor. And Cuomo's able to sneak in with a plurality of, of the vote, 34%, 35%. That's a much better race for him. But... What Cuomo should do if I was advising him, and he will never do this because he's incapable of this degree of humility, is similar to what he did in 06. You remember, he got embarrassed in the governor's race in 2002, Carl McCall embarrassed him, spanked him. So what did he do? He didn't come back four years later and run for governor. He came back and ran for a lesser office. He ran for attorney general and actually did his job for four years. If he were to do something like that next year, and not run for statewide office, but instead run for Congress against in a district that's currently occupied by a Republican. Someone like Michael Lawler, for instance, which is a kind of a Democratic district anyway. That would send the message that this is a newly humbled Cuomo, but he doesn't have it. No, he just doesn't
1: know. have it. All right. 60 seconds to go. You've been great. Uh, April 1st, the budget with Kathy Hokel looks like that's going to be postponed because Hochul uh, can't get anywhere with bail reform. I can't believe I'm actually saying this. And uh, she's not ready to present the budget if, in fact, uh, that doesn't become a bigger
0: issue. What are your thoughts on the whole potential postponement? People need to pay attention to this. So the deadline is tomorrow, as you mentioned, and Hokel says they're not going to have a deal. So that's not unusual. We went through decades of late budgets. But, um, if Hokel sticks to her guns here and there's a bunch of issues here in the budget, and it's not just about the budget. The budget may sound boring. This is. Everything, whether it's done tomorrow or a week or a month, this is everything for the next four or five years. It's not just bail reform that they're fighting about. The state legislature is eagerly pushing for taxes on the rich, even more taxes, which they already raised once. And Hochulter credit, is resisting that. That is going to cause a massive exodus out of New York. And that's one of the reasons you see Mike Bloomberg spending $5 million bol- bolstering Hochul in the budget. Charter school expansion, if Hokel gets her budget adopted, we'll see up to 184 new charter schools in the New York City area. So this is a very big fight here, and I don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, I think uh, both sides are digging in their heels. The state legislature really wants those taxes on the rich. Hokel really wants to roll back bail reform, get those charter schools. State legislature really wants a higher minimum wage, and Hokel really wants her um, plan for more housing in the suburbs. We'll see where it goes. It'll be very interesting.
1: Uh, that is a great conversation. Uh, Frank Marano, uh, there he is. Very. Uh, it's easy to figure out why he's number one, getting ratings of 11s on the overnights. Other side of midnight, folks, five-hour ride every night right before me. And, of course, Noam does a terrific job and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Excellent job, Frank Morano. Have yourself a great weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. I love you. I love you, too. The great Frank Marano. News out of Nick Camp, by the way. Justin Ellick they a set to take on the Cavaliers, which is your likely first-round NBA playoff matchup. Nick star Julius Randall will miss the rest of the regular season, the last five games, with that ankle sprain he suffered a couple of nights ago in the win over Miami. We'll take a short break. Hour number two. It's a big hour. Curtis Sliwa. Donald Trump's daughter in law, Lara Trump, and Gordon Chang. What does this indictment mean to the world? And what's next for China and Taiwan? Sliwa, Trump, and Chang all coming up next hour.